It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories. Locked On Vikings. The Locked On Podcast Network. A Friday edition, episode 430. Sam and Sage back with you. I'm Sam Ekstrom on Twitter. At Sam Ekstrom, writing for zonecoverage.com. On Instagram, at Sam Ekstrom NFL. He's Sage Rosenfels, at Sage Rosenfels18 on Twitter. Former quarterback, writes about the Vikings for theathletic.com once the season comes around once again. And Sage, you've got the, the College World Series in your neck of the woods. I'm sure Omaha is lit right now. Yeah, Omaha, Nebraska, it's uh, one of the highlights of the year. You've got the Warren Buffett, uh, uh, Berkshire Hathaway meetings. That's big in the spring, usually in early May, I believe. And then the College World Series heats up, uh, starts on Father's Day weekend and goes for uh, into the following weekend. So for about a 10-day period, Omaha becomes sort of the center of the sports world, being that there's not a lot of sports going on right now. NFL sort of taking their little break. Uh, NBA's over. Hockey's over. Uh, it's college baseball right now, and Omaha is the center of that. It's kind of amazing how late that tournament goes, right? Because these kids probably finished up school, what, at least a month ago? And uh, they're still they're still playing, so they basically get a month shorter summer. But I'm sure they wouldn't turn it in for anything. I'm sure this is probably the greatest athletic experience of their life. Yeah, it's you know I, I've been to in many of these college world series games. I actually, took my kids on Wednesday night, uh, and and uh, I also saw Matt Moore, the former uh, Dolphins quarterback. He and I were teammates for a, a cup of coffee, uh, you know, seven years ago or something. And and he was coming into town for that game, so we met up. And and uh, but that that stadium, uh, that atmosphere, it's about as close to a major league baseball game as these college kids have probably ever played. Yeah, it's an amazing stadium, too. Fantastic facility there in Omaha. Well, there's a few football topics that I want to get to. Some of them are maybe a tad out of the news cycle, but I think it's important that we get your opinion on it. Um, Starting with this whole Hall of Fame kerfuffle with Terrell Owens. This happened about 10 days ago, two weeks ago, and I don't know how I forgot to ask you about it last show we did, but I think... We need to, to get your two cents. So to summarize, you've got this illustrious Hall of Fame class, right? It's, uh, it's Randy Moss. It's Ray Lewis. It's Bobby Beathard, Brian Urlacher, Brian Dawkins, Terrell Owens amongst them. T.O. Uh, maybe feeling a little jilted, a little spurned that he was a, was a third ballot Hall of Famer, and maybe he looks at Randy Moss with a little jealousy. Randy Moss was a first ballot Hall of Famer. Terrell Owens, never one to shy away from the spotlight, says, I'm not going to attend the induction. I'll be celebrating in my own way. A lot of people viewing that as a slight to the Hall of Fame, to the committee, to his teammates and everyone else. What do you make of Terrell Owens' decision? Well, it's not surprising. It's about uh, actually perfect. Uh, it's the reason he wasn't inducted into the Hall of Fame in his first attempt. Uh, you know, the, the Hall of Fame is a special, special place, and, and uh, you know, only the greatest players in NFL history get in. Um, and you know, they're 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 voted in by you know former Hall of Famers, uh, obviously sports writers, NFL writers. 
uh, that's who gets you in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, T.O. was a fantastic football player, one of the great receivers uh, you know, of this most recent generation, I would say. Uh, you know, probably one of the great receivers of all time, statistically. Uh, but there was a reason he played for, you know, four or five teams, despite being a great player. Uh, and, and there was a reason that he was in the Hall of Fame uh, in this first attempt, despite being a great player. Uh, he, he was a, a real pain to deal with. Uh, and I think a lot of uh, riders, a lot of former players, felt, you know what, this guy, uh, he, he's got all the talent in the world. And, I mean, you know, he was a worker, but almost like they didn't want to give it, give him that, um, you know, that that uh, that first ballot Hall of Fame is really like that's like the real unique fraternity, the guys that are in the first ballot, and uh, they didn't want to give him that because of you know how he acted a lot of times during his you know, during his playing days. And it's it's kind of an odd way, I think, for Owens to punish those writers or whatever it is if if he thinks that him not going is going to really upset the coverage or if it's going to somehow um lessen what the the media is able to do i think he's barking up the wrong tree because there's plenty of stories to be written about randy moss about brian Erlacher, about about all these guys bobby bethard um and, and i don't think there's going to be a shortage of coverage i don't think people are necessarily going to be saying i wish to was here i think they're going to be celebrating the people that are there. So I'm not sure that there's going to be a lot of people missing him. I think he, in retrospect, might say, I, I wish I'd been there with uh, my colleagues, my comrades who also got voted in. I just I don't see this uh, being something that's really going to leave a huge void during the ceremony. I tell you, he will not be missed uh, by the people that are there, uh, by fans like me who will be watching at home. If, if he doesn't want to be there, I'm happy he's not there. So, you know, Rainy Moss, his own, you know, issue. he played, uh, never really got in trouble, but, you know, he had his own little issues here and there. I think the difference is uh, if Randy wouldn't have got in on his first attempt or even a second attempt, that he would have treated the situation completely differently. Uh, he would have had a lot more gratitude uh, and, uh, and those types of things once he did get in. And therein lies the difference between those two players. You know, a lot of times they were compared a lot because they were sort of two best receivers during this most recent era uh, of, of football. But, you know, Randy was a much more lovable guy, uh, a guy that really respected sort of the history of the game. I think he's fantastic now on TV. Uh, you really get to see the true personality of Randy Moss. So, you know, two players that were, you could sort of say were similar, but actually in actuality were, were very, very different. And, and, uh, and I'm really looking forward to Randy Moss's speech. I bet you it's one of the best speeches uh, over the course of the last few years. I bet it's, I bet it's fantastic. Yeah, it is going to be fantastic. He's really you know, in touch with the game, and I think he's committed himself to giving back to the game more since his retirement. How, how bummed are you that you missed the Randy Moss era in Minnesota take two by, what, a month? I mean, you, you almost overlapped with him there. Yeah, it was close. Uh, it didn't sound like that was a very good era. No, uh, it wasn't. For Randy the second time. I'll tell you what, the first time, here's my only Randy Moss story. I'm, I'm sure Vikings fans remember this. I think it was 2002. I'm playing in Miami. We're playing up here. Oh, it's about 15 weeks, 16 late late uh, season game in, in you know, late December. And uh, uh, we're we have a Ricky Williams runs for about 230 yards, 250 yards in this game. And we somehow lose, they put Randy Moss on a reverse pass. Uh, he gets almost tackled in the backfield. 
uh, breaks the tackle and still uh, throws about a 30-yard pass for a touchdown uh, to, to sort of help beat us. And at the end of that game, I believe it was Gary Anderson kicked uh, about a 51-yarder. Chris Carter was actually on our sideline. Uh, and he said, and Chris Carter was yelling, he can't make that kick, watch for the fake, it's too far, and yada, yada, and <laughs> it, it goes in about six inches over the crossbar. So a very memorable game uh, up in Minnesota, 2002, I, I believe, and, uh, and Randy Mossman, unbelievable play in that game to, to break a, a tackle on a reverse pass, on a reverse, and then uh, throw the ball into the end zone for a touchdown. Unbelievable talented player, and, uh, and now a great ambassador for the game once he's done. Give me a quick Moss versus Owens comparison. I think people probably view Moss as the better receiver overall, but do you think Owens had any aspect to his game that was better than Moss? Yes. Uh, Owens on the underneath stuff, um, you know, whether it be shallow crossing routes or just these little routes on the inside, he was a more powerful, explosive player on the underneath stuff, you know, the slants. Uh, you know those types of things. Rainey could could go deep. Uh, Rainey could do all you know sorts of things. He had unbelievable body control. Rainey was a true outside receiver, not an inside guy. Though that's where that's what sort of made To special was that his physicality, his explosiveness in and out of breaks on the inside uh, is what you know made To special. I recall early 49ers game. Uh, he was on the left side in the slot, ran a little sort of option route where he took a slant in put his foot in the ground and broke it back out. They threw him out. I think it was Jeff Garcia threw him a five-yard pass, and he took that around uh, and, and then cut it back and went for about you know, 65, 70 yards on about a six-yard pass. T.O. didn't do that type of stuff nearly as much as, as – as, I'm sorry, Rainey didn't do, do, that, much, mm -hmm. do that type of stuff nearly as much as T.O. Uh, Rainey was just the vertical threat, whether it be one-on-one -on -one or even at too high coverage where he could just outrun the safety or, or go up and, you know, with, with two or three defenders and, 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 and bring the ball down. Probably the best hand-eye coordination of any receiver in NFL history was Randy Moss. T.O. actually not a great ball catcher in a sense. He dropped a lot of passes. I remember play, playing against the Cowboys. He dropped a number of passes uh, in, in, in his career. He didn't have that sort of great, uh, you know, hand-eye coordination, not like Randy Moss. So, Two great players, but different skill sets. Yeah, and like think about the Vikings receivers now, you know, Diggs and Thielen. Their calling card is that they're great in contested situations. They can, you know, take a, a pass, get drilled, and still hang on. With Moss, think back to his highlights. Almost all of his highlights, you know, either there's nobody around him because he's just running past everybody, or he goes up over people uh, to make a catch. But he was so rarely contested. He didn't like to get tackled. Um, and a lot of that's because he was just so good at separating. He didn't have to get tackled that often. But there aren't any highlights where Moss absorbs a huge hit while making a catch. That just wasn't his game. You know, he would, I think, I don't know if he gave up on balls, but if he knew that he wasn't going to have the catch there, I don't think he necessarily went all out to uh, invite contact. I mean, that, maybe that's why he played so long is because he didn't take many hits and he didn't get hurt very much. And that's what, what gave him longevity in the league. Yeah, and that's why he was just basically an outside receiver. And I said T.O. was outside, but he was also an inside receiver. And T.O. did take some big hits. I mean, the, the famous hit against the uh, with the New York Giants, San Francisco versus the Giants in a playoff game right down the middle. Uh, I believe Jeff Garcia threw the ball, and it was a game winner, real tight throw. 
took the wicked hit for for a game winning touchdown. So yeah, they they were you know two different very different uh, receivers. But you know Randy also you know did some crazy plays like the the time he caught the pass was getting tackled and and tossed it back to the Vikings running back. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. I, I, was, was that the Wizenator? I believe that was the Wizenator. No, that was Mo Williams. Mo Williams. Mo Williams. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, that, that play is just a legendary play. You just don't see NFL players make plays like that. You know, coaches are so conservative with the football. But, you know, he he was like a basketball player. You know, we, we always people joke around about what if LeBron played football or what if, you know, Kobe Bryant played football. He was sort of Kobe Bryant, you know, out there. Uh, he he was a different, you know, type of football player. Uh, just unbelievable hand-eye coordination, ability to go up around people and 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 really you know rebound the ball. Uh, and you know his years in his years in New England were absolutely unbelievable. Him and Tom Brady, the the way that they would hook up and and had that unbelievable season where they went eighteen and one. You know, Randy was just. Uh, you know, really unstoppable that season. That was the year they would they would go for it and fourth down. They didn't really care. Uh, they just kept they would keep throwing the ball even though they were up by three or four touchdowns. Uh, and they were trying to set NFL records and and uh, you know Randy Moss great great career. And you know he, there was always this sort of uh, you know fog for him that he was sort of a bad guy or whatever. And and you know you look back and and he really wasn't. I mean he really as I said he's a great ambassador for the game now. Uh, most teammates love playing with him, and uh, but you know, I mean, Brad Childress didn't get very get along very well, and and uh, he only lasted about a month that second time with a Vikings uniform. Right, and without those New England years, I don't know if there is a first ballot Hall of Fame for Moss because he burned very brightly, start of his Vikings career. He was great, you know, early two thousands, and then you know, sort of left uh, under some some not great circumstances, you know, with some just some attitude issues, didn't get along necessarily with management in Minnesota, got traded. Oakland years were not that successful. And people were saying, well, you know, can he, re- can he revive his career in New England? Well, yeah, he did in a big way, and he put together one of the greatest seasons of all time. Um, but that's really, I think, what, what kind of gave him that first ballot distinction because he proved he could do it, you know, in the late 2000s. He did it in the late 90s. You know, he, he had these historic years about a decade apart, and that sort of gave him the, the, the reach that he needed to, to become one of the league's greatest receivers, uh, which is pretty amazing. And never won a Super Bowl, is that correct? Correct. Right? And it came, the closest he ever really came was, well, obviously the 18-1 the, the season. Again, they lost against the Giants, which is the Patriots. And then at the end, San Francisco, uh, when Colin Kaepernick was the, the quarterback, uh, and, uh, and and they lost there right down to the wire um, uh, in, in that Super Bowl. So he never won a Super Bowl, became very close, played in at least two of them, and uh, you know said first ballot Hall of Famer, and that's 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 the elites of the Hall of Famers is the first ballot guys, and and I'm happy Randy is a first ballot guy, and I'm happy that To was not. And Randy's original coach Dennis Green is going into a smaller version of the HOF. He's going into the Ring of Honor. Uh, for the Vikings this year, the lone inductee, he'll be inducted on September 23rd. Do you have any Dennis Green interactions? I know you you probably didn't ever, you know, he was never on a staff of yours, but obviously there's plenty of guys that have stories about him around the league. He was, you know, really one of the great African-American coaches that um, had some incredible seasons in, in Minnesota and almost won a Super Bowl with the Vikes. Yeah, and, and really, to me, almost almost surprising he wasn't uh, inducted earlier. I mean, I, I look back 
know, he has 10 seasons as a head coach, eight seasons he's in the playoffs. That's that's phenomenal. That's really unbelievable. That, that you don't see that very often. Uh, you know, other than maybe the Patriots. I don't know if anyone else has made the playoffs eight of the last 10 seasons in the NFL. Uh, so you know, Denny Green was very really likable. I remember talking to guys like you know Klein Saucer. You know, there's not a lot of guys that go back very far in the NFL. It seems like you know there's such turnover every three or four years, but there were some guys. You know, on the, that 2009 Vikings team, he said guys like Colin Saucer uh, that, uh, you know, that played for Denny and just absolutely loved playing for him. I mean, play, he was very, uh, players like playing for him. I think coaches like coaching with him. Uh, he had a great offensive mind. His offenses were always very aggressive. He liked to throw the ball down the field. He liked to put up big numbers. Uh, a really, really good football coach. And uh, and he may be, may be best known uh, for his you know, post-Chicago Bears, uh, when he's the Arizona Cardinals head coach press conference, they knew, or that they, they they were who we, they thought they were, or whatever that that statement yeah. was. That was a great press conference, and uh, and I think that's what people liked about Danny Green. He he did you know wear some of his emotions on his sleeves, and and uh, I think players liked that, and fans liked it. That press conference, that was the game where. I mean, I think that was the Super Bowl qualifying Bears team, right? I mean, that was the Rex Grossman-led Chicago Bears who had the incredible defense, and they had Devin Hester. They had no real offensive threats to speak of, but they would win these ugly games, and they went to Arizona, and they flat-out got outplayed by the Cardinals. The Cardinals played better for about 50 minutes of that game. I think Hester had two punt return touchdowns that swung it in the fourth quarter, something along those lines. And Green, right. and Green was just livid because he went in thinking that the Bears weren't that good, that they could beat the Bears, and they were the better team, and then the Bears somehow found a way to win at the end. That's a, an iconic, iconic moment. And you know what? In, if, speaking of Hall of Fame speeches, you know Dennis Green's going to come up in Randy Moss's speech. He, he was so close to Dennis Green, and uh, I know he was probably very sad that the Green's time in Minnesota was cut short in 2001, I think, you know, Green or Moss probably would have preferred to have Green around uh, for the most of his Minnesota career. So uh, that'll be really interesting to watch come uh, Canton inductions. Is that in August? That's early August, right? So about six weeks away. Yeah, it's, it's usually about the first week of August, if not almost earlier, like August 5th, 6th, something like that. You know, it's the first preseason game. Uh, I played in that game. Uh, twice, I believe. No, no, I think just once uh, in my career with, with the uh, with the Miami Dolphins. Nick Saban year. You know, we, we played the Chicago Bears in that uh, game in, in Canton, Ohio. Uh, about twenty five thousand people, I think, fit into that stadium. Uh, it, it, it's a, it's a, the whole to be able to play in that game is sort of neat too, because you're obviously around the festivities, you know, that weekend, and uh, you know, people from all sort of all around the country come in for that weekend to go. Uh, to the Hall of Fame, so uh, it's a really unique, um, uh, you know, situation playing that game because the fans aren't necessarily, they weren't necessarily Dolphins and, and Bears fans uh, in that stadium. The fans were sort of from around the NFL, almost like an all-star, you know, type game or something, so uh, a real fun game to play in. All right, let's take five minutes here at the end and just talk about this Baker Mayfield versus Colin Cowherd uh, little argument on the herd. On FS1, Colin Cowherd, the host, Baker Mayfield, the first-round pick. He's the guest. And Cowherd takes an interesting approach 
to to question Baker Mayfield's what's the word I'm looking for his uh his ability well, basically whether he was selfish or whether he's a team player yes that's a good way to put it it's about a minute and a half we'll listen to it and then talk about it this is Baker Mayfield on the herd saw this and I'm like oh Baker you play in Ohio State I watched every snap you were you know gloriously talented guy right and then I see this play right here and I watch this Baker and you throw a touchdown and instead of I don't like this. I'm going to tell you right now. How come you're not what? Where are you going? Where are you going over there? Our band is over there. Our student section's right there. And then straight back to our sideline. What about your team? Did you watch the rest of the game? I watched the whole game. You did? So you saw me celebrate with my teammates like the three touchdowns before that too? I don't like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. You pulled the one clip of me running right there to our fans and people that traveled well to that game, first of all. And then you didn't show the rest of the clip of me going to our sideline? No, no, no. You go, well, you no, have to go to the sideline. You you're not going to go to you a didn't. hospital. Well, where are you going to go after the touchdown? You're not going to go... Well, you're uh, acting like I just ran away from everybody. Well, you did, but then you came back and circled to the sideline. This is a, a five-second clip of you showing me, and then I'm off the screen right there? I'd like you to be with your teammates. Uh, watch the rest of the game. I was. All right. Oh, I know you went back to the sideline. No, no, no. I'm, go Watch the other touchdowns. I got very excited on that one. So you think my accusation that this doesn't this isn't the fact great. I feel like you're going for the fact that I'm not a team guy I'm selfish is that what you're shooting at right here or what? um it is a no I don't think that I think you I think sometimes your judgments just a tad off and I think the NFL is a judgment league because the, the game is so fast mm-hmm. you have to make the windows get really really tight and really really small you gotta make decisions really really fast in college you got that Orlando Brown guy got a little yeah. more time I don't love that decision I don't love it all right well cut it off there so for those who maybe aren't picturing it what cowherd is referring to here is a clip where mayfield throws a touchdown um and instead of going to the touchdown scorer he goes to the band he goes to the oklahoma band and celebrates with them and pumping up them up or something instead of celebrating with his teammate um i like cowherd i mean he's a divisive divisive uh radio tv personality some people can't stand him i like him i think he's got good points he's well thought out well spoken I don't get what he's going for here. Yeah, you know, he's trying to equate that decision in in like a celebration style to his ability to throw into tight windows. I mean, I I don't get the point, and I I kind of like that Baker fought him a little bit on it. Yeah, I think Cowherd dug a little hole there, hoping to find something. Uh, you know, hoping to find the <clears throat> the fact that Baker Mayfield might be a selfish football player. Uh, and believe me, I'm an Iowa State guy, so I've been watching Baker in the Big 12 Conference for the last four years. And, you know, strange, I sort of never liked him, and probably because he was so dang good, and Oklahoma was always good, and Oklahoma was always so tough to beat. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it, the, the more I'm actually sort of see him after uh, his kid's college career, you know, he got in trouble in college, he, he ran from the cops one time, uh, he does some obscene gestures a few times, sort of acts immature occasionally. I think People are wanting him to be the next Johnny Manziel. Uh, and I think Cowherd is trying to sort of in- insinuate, you know, you, you do things sort of like what Johnny Manziel would do. You throw a touchdown pass to your left, you run off to your right because you want to celebrate by yourself and bring, uh, you know, bring, bring all the, uh, you know, the, the applause and the, uh, you know, your sort of self-promoter and all those types of things. And I, I really, the, the, the further I, he gets from college, the more I like ba- Baker Mayfield. One, I've seen a lot of these videos of him working out and throwing. Really actually like the way he throws the ball. Of all the quarterbacks in this draft, he was the most accurate uh, and, and maybe had the best arm other than Josh Allen amongst these 
you know, top five guys. But I actually think his, his, you could sort of see his maturity. I think he realizes he's not in college anymore. Uh, he's not at Oklahoma anymore. This is a whole different level. Uh, and I really like the way he answered that question is that, you know, he, he, he came back um, in not like a jerk way, but I think I, it seemed like he came back with a really good response and that, you know, hey, you're, you're trying to make me look like this selfish player. I'm not. And, uh, you know, and, and, I, and I could say that in the games where maybe I threw a lot of touchdown passes or, or we scored a lot of touchdowns, more often than not, yeah, I went and jumped on the, the pile and celebrated with my teammates and, and uh, you know, and high-fived my, uh, you know, my receiver who caught the pass. But there were definitely times I remember in college where, uh, and I ran to our student section and, and uh, or whoever our fans were or whatever, and sort of celebrated with them for a second too. You know, they're sort of part of the team as well. So, I really like the way Baker Mayfield answered that question, stood up for himself. Uh, he does have that little chip on his shoulder. Uh, he has to really learn to sort of, you know, keep that, uh, you know, keep, sort of keep that controlled for his whole career. It's hard to do that when he's always been the guy that's sort of the underdog and, and always trying to fight for everything that he has. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I sort of like Baker Mayfield more and more, uh, you know, following his, his college career. And, and we'll, we'll see what happens in the NFL. But uh, they said the more I see, the more I like. And here's the grain of salt alert on the whole video. As this video is going on, there's a little a notification on the bottom of the screen that says, all the way up, Baker Mayfield, chronicling Baker's rise from college walk-on to number one draft pick, premieres Sunday, July 29th on Fox. So the fact that this got 2.68 million views, I'm not saying that Cowherd and Mayfield are trying to fan the flames, but they're also promoting here. Like They're also trying to get this his name out there to try to generate interest in this show. So um, I don't know if that was contrived at all, but they are just cowherd who works for Fox. Right. right? So, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how much Baker had to do with that, but uh, as I said, I, I, it, I, I didn't like how Colin Cowherd sort of tried to trap him. And I like the fact that Baker Mayfield, you know, um, sort of revealed uh, the BS of the question. Yep. It definitely was. Um, that was a thorough program, Sage. We covered a lot of issues. Uh, good stuff on the Hall of Fame, Denny Green. Uh, we didn't even get to Jameis Winston. That's something for another time. We'll get to that next week, I'm sure, on Lockdown Vikings. Have a great weekend, Sage, and uh, I'm sure that College World Series will keep things lively. And I know you're actually going up to Minnesota, so you'll probably have a good weekend here. Yeah, hopefully the weather's good. i got my paddleboard. I'm going to be on the lakes in the city trying to learn learn how to use this new paddleboard I bought. So we'll see how that goes. I've heard that it really tests your core. It tests your core muscles. You wouldn't expect it, but it's all about the balance there in the midsection. You know, the, the word core is actually a new term of the, like the last 20 years. We never called it core when I was growing up. It was just your abs. Now it's core. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. So I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, I'm hoping I don't fall into that. <laughs> well, best of luck. He's Sage Rosenfels. I'm Sam Ekstrom. It's Locked On Vikings. It's the Locked On Podcast Network.